0: Hey beautiful teachers, I'm Nicola Canton from Vibrant Music Teaching. Welcome to the show that's about you. This podcast gives you a sneak peek into the lives and businesses of private music studio teachers so that you can share in their successes, learn from their mistakes, and feel part of a global community that's dedicated to sharing music with others. Today we're heading over to the UK to meet Victoria Clark. I'm sure Victoria's transfer student story will sound familiar to you too. You've either had a student like this or you will soon and being prepared to take it back to the start is essential. Welcome to the show, Victoria. It's so great to have you here. We like to start with a little game here on the show of course. So it's two tru- two lies and a truth. I want you to tell me two things that are not true about yourself, and um, one thing that is true, and I'll try to guess which one is true.
1: All right then. Um. So the first thing is I have I have published a knitting pattern in the Knitter magazine. The second thing is my name is engraved on the ship's bell of the Ark Royal. And the third thing is I have five Burmese cats.
0: Oh. <laughs> I think this is my trickiest one so far. Because <laughs> they all sound specific enough. Normally there's one I can rule out right away. I think it's the bell. Which one Which is, is Which well, is which which true. Is, yes.
1: Did <laughs> <laughs> I done. get it right? Yeah, yeah. My
0: is on the <laughs> But is it okay. your name or does it happen to share your name?
1: Oh, no. So I was, I was the first officer's baby christened on the Ark Royal. So they engraved my name on the bell. So it's really after you. I I thought there was going to be a
0: trick to that one where it was like, well, actually, so-and-so has the same. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. So that tells us a bit about you and your origin story, quite literally. Um, But now we'd like to get to know a bit more about you as a teacher. So can you tell me, If you were given some free billboard space and it already has your studio info on it and the basics, but you get to add three adjectives to it to describe you as a teacher, and what you offer, what
1: would you put on that billboard? Um, So it's quite hard, actually, trying to narrow something down into three words, which I guess is the function of the question. Um, (laughs) But the first word that came to mind was discover, um, because, you know, Discovering music is what I love and that's what I want my students to have. I want them to discover music. Create would be the other one um, because obviously music is so creative and you can create all the beautiful music that you want to with, you know, the the tools. Um, And express is the other one that comes to mind because, and this is all just for me personally, obviously, but for me, expressing Yourself being able to express your emotions through music and playing piano is is the reason I do it. So, yeah, just discover, create, and express.
0: Yeah, I can picture that actually on a sign with like full stops after each yeah. one. Discover, create, express. I love those three things. They're great, great tenets to stand for. So can you tell me a bit about your musical upbringing that led you to that? Um, when did you start lessons? What were your lessons like?
1: Sure, yeah. So um, I had, I've had i always had private um, one-to-one lessons. And I think they started when I was about six. I can't be sure. <laughs> Roughly when I was about six up to 18 um, before I left the uni, And I had... I had a different teacher to start with for a couple of years. And then I I don't know why, but I was moved to another teacher, um, who I found was wonderful. And she's actually still a very close friend to this day. She just lives down the road. Um, and she took me all the way through to grade eight, which was really lovely for me so that I could kind of achieve that before I went off to uni. Um, and I did all the ABRSM exams and I did the theory exams in order to past grade six and so on and then when I left for uni I well, obviously didn't have any more lessons but I'd l- I've always loved playing the piano so I was missing my piano at home but thankfully where I went to uni at Imperial they have a whole big um, music building <laughs> so I got to hire rooms and go and practice alongside my, which wasn't in music by the way <laughs> so I did a degree in biology so I was kind of two different sides of the coin I suppose and so I just I carried on playing just for me Um, and I don't know where the idea came from but when I finished my degree almost as soon as I started my renal career job which I don't really like calling it that (laughs) in pharmaceutical market research I decided I wanted to start teaching piano part-time on the side I don't know where the idea came from I kept trying to remember like did someone suggest it to me or what, but, um, I did, and as soon as I started, I loved it. And I only had like five students, I think when I was living in London. So I would do my day job, come home, um, cause I was working in London and then do a couple of students, um, over a few evenings, but that's kind of, sorry, I think I've gone on a bit, <laughs> no, a bit beyond my own musical experience, but, um, that, that takes me up to how I started, um, teaching
0: yeah and when you were taking lessons yourself did you practice regularly do you think you were a good student
1: i yes i did i practiced a lot but i in doing what i do now in teaching piano i've often tried to look back and think what made me practice you know what can you encourage your students to do mm-hmm. um but i think for me personally i was just i'm a bit obsessive about you know ticking boxes and practicing and then when i'd get carried away with something i could spend three hours playing piano and not even realized. So I think it's not, I can't really apply myself to all my students.
0: Right. Um, You feel like that was in your genes rather than something you learned. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was just compulsion, I suppose.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So you mentioned the theory, I'll just explain to people who aren't familiar. The ABRSM requires you to take grade six in order to grade six of theory in order to continue practical exams. I've got that right, right, Victoria, right? Grade five. Grade five, to say, sorry. Grade
1: five yeah. theory. To do we
0: don't research. do that in, in <laughs> the local Irish exams. They don't do that, but oh, I know okay. SM does. Yeah. So not every exam board does it. But that theory requirement is often the reason that people take theory, which is what you alluded to. Do you think you would have done your theory homework with your personality even if it wasn't required? Or do you think that was motivated by that?
1: Well, I, I, so I understood the reason for suddenly starting official theory papers, but again, in a bit of a weird way, I really enjoy theory. I still enjoy it now. So kind of, I'm, I'm sort of working through the grade six and trying to, you know, continually develop, but I get a lot of satisfaction out of the absolute right and wrong of (laughs) theory answers. You know, there's no ambiguity So yeah, I, I, I did always enjoy that and I, and I was good at it. So that kind of bolstered me even more.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, if you went into science, maybe that fit in, those two things fit in together, right Right and wrong nature of the the process. Absolutely. So is there anything you wish you'd had been included in your lesson? You mentioned you loved your second teacher. So obviously it was a great experience. Is there anything you felt you missed out on?
1: Would you know, I didn't realize what I had missed out on until I it actually only in the last few years where I've been expanding my teaching business and exploring new methods and sort of finding out through vibrant music teaching and, and other resources, all the other stuff that I did actually miss. So, um, even though I'd loved all my lessons with my teacher and, and I feel like I got a lot from it, um, things like improvisation, I really would have loved having more guidance on so that's something that I'm actively trying to develop for myself now so that I can help my students with it and um, I'd say improvisation there was something else I can't remember that was the first one that came to mind because it's the one I feel least comfortable with And it's obviously a big part of a lot of of people's playing that I just, it's like inaccessible to me at the moment. But
0: it's starting to reveal itself. Yeah, we often don't know what we missed until we start teaching and exploring different teaching methods and then go, oh, I was led down this path and I actually could have been on these other paths as well. Definitely, yeah. (laughs) So you told us about how you got into teaching a little bit, but I'm curious because you... So you took your piano lessons, you obviously kept playing but didn't continue lessons during college and then you decided to take up teaching. Was there anything that spurred that? Was it just all out of your own head? Was there Did anyone bring up the idea with you?
1: Well, uh, do you know, I've racked my brains over and over to try and remember where the idea must have, it must have come from somewhere or something I saw or, or thought about and possibly because when I was in the process of attending careers fairs and trying to kind of work out what I wanted to do uh, because even though I, I did biology I didn't want to be in the lab that's just, that's all I knew but I didn't know what I actually wanted to do for a job <laughs> and then I thought well look at the other stuff you do you love playing the piano it was one mm-hmm. of the things what about it probably organically came from that like what about teaching and actually I remember coming back to my teacher and asking for her advice and she was wonderful she was like well this is what you could do you know this is how you could advertise this is how you could start out don't spread yourself too thin too too soon and she gave me loads of loads of good advice so I think that's my best guess mm-hmm. <laughs> where it came from just looking at my own life and what I could do for a job and so yeah, and I didn't gosh, want to gosh. compromise and just do one or the other side of the place.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah Um, That must have been, I mean, it sounded like you loved it, but it must have been a pretty tough schedule. Even only five students with a London commute and a (laughs) full-time job must have been tough, right, in the beginning?
1: It was, but it it was so interesting to do. Obviously, this is before, you know, way before I had children, because obviously once you have children, all your schedule goes out the (laughs) (laughs) window. But it was really interesting because as soon as I started teaching, I recognized how much I enjoyed it. Like genuinely the whole process, just the, the half hour would fly by with every student, not that comparing the two jobs is like, well, I'm stuck in an office all day compared to a half hour with a student, but it really highlighted for me what I really love and I've known it for a long time, but obviously you know, we've done a whole degree and then you get this, yeah. this full-time job. And I thought, well, I don't want to be silly cause you know, you need to get established in a career and the rest of it. And I don't regret staying with it, but I'm, I was really grateful that I was able to kind of keep it, the piano teaching going alongside cause it, it made me happy. So that's why exactly. so I did it. <laughs> that's
0: a great reason. Can you tell me about a student who changed something about the way you teach or the way you do business?
1: yeah so there's one that one that comes to mind I don't teach him anymore because he's moved away to boarding school I've only ever taught him online um and I taught him for just under a year so his dad contacted me last year and said could we do online lessons with my student um he was 11 I think I think he was 11 And he said he has ADHD, so he can play by ear, but he'd like to learn to read music. And so, oh, great. You know, this is, because I'd never taught any any students with any learning difficulties or anything like that. And it was a really eye-opening experience, really wonderful for the time that we had because, yes, he, he had his own difficulties in concentrating on certain things during the lesson, but there were little snippets where he would just open up and he'd really get the concept that I was talking about, or I'd suddenly, I'd ask him, you know, can we identify these notes? And he'd just reel them all off. And it was a really (laughs) lovely experience because it can be a bit disheartening when you're teaching in your normal way and you think, oh, it's not going in. Mm -hmm. This isn't working for them. And then other times he'd be in his own world, but just playing things on the piano during the lesson, things that he composed and, you know, I try and say, okay, right, let's work out what key this is in. We can talk about key signatures and kind of build in shoehorn bits of theory <laughs> in around what he could pay attention to. And it was, even though it wasn't a traditional way of teaching, I me, and it was well out of my comfort zone. I kept in contact with his dad just to let him know, you know, we're not, you know, he's not learning to read music in the way that I normally would teach. But we're doing this, this and this, are you still happy for these lessons? And he said he loves the lessons so much. And I thought, oh, this is, this is really great for me because I'm still helping. It kind of became like a music therapy Mm. thing for him. So that as a result of that, it's made me want to start (laughs) learning more about how to teach people who have some learning difficulties, whether it's ADHD or autism. Or, or any of those different things. So I'm kind of trying to learn more about that so that I'm not... Because I don't want to just be students who, you know, fit into this little box because that's that's not what I want to do. I want to kind of... I want to help all the people that want to do music. So I'd say he definitely impacted my, <laughs> my approach to teaching Britain in a good way.
0: Yeah, and gave you the confidence to sort of go into that more, understanding that there's not only one way to help students with music and and to explore it with them
1: yeah yeah it was really fulfilling for me as well just to see like he even recorded one of I said you should record that composition you just played for me so that you can you can keep it and then we can maybe work on it and we didn't we didn't get around to sort of putting it onto a score but he did it and it was lovely to he sent it to me and I was listening to it it was just so lovely to think that he's got that now forever and he knows so much more about what he's what he learns about the piano by having some lessons so yeah it was was good
0: yeah and as evidence that he can make music that he's musical just like everyone else you know yeah um, (laughs) that he can make it himself so that sounds like a wonderful success in in many ways. Is there any time when you've made a mistake in your teaching? It could be more general across the board, or it could be like a specific <laughs> time that you wish you could turn back to.
1: Yes, and I, I mean it was every experience. I think, as you know, every experience you have as a teacher, you can you learn from every mistake you make. You learn from. Um, This one in particular, I've gotten over it now and I've accepted the positives from it. But at the time I just thought, I really should have thought more about this. So I had a transfer student, I'm still teaching him now. And I took him on when he'd started preparing for his grade four. And naively, I just accepted, all right, we'll just, we'll pick up with your grade four pieces. You can probably see that massive mistake. We sort of, I started listening to his pieces and I thought, oh, okay, he must be, you know, fairly new to these pieces. So we'll, we'll sort of work through and we'll build up the scales and the sight reading and the oral and all the rest of it. And after a few months, I thought, oh, it's not changing and he is practicing, but he's really struggling with all these different bits of musicianship. And I wish I, when I took him on, I'd, you know, accepted everything he had to say, but given him a brand new piece at probably a lower, slightly lower level, just to see how he copes with brand new piece from start to finish
0: Mm.
1: to really work out where his skills were lacking. And it took me quite a long time to one, realize it, and then to have the difficult conversation with him because obviously I was, I said, okay, we can aim for this exam date because obviously where they come in sessions with ABRSM. And as we got closer and closer, I said, okay, is this many weeks away? I don't think you're ready. I won't put you forward for an exam that you're not ready for because it's not a good experience for you. And it's a terrible experience for me (laughs) to to watch a student go through that. And he was was great. And even though I was so frightened about having that really honest conversation with him, I'm so glad I did because he then opened up about everything and I learned a lot more about his previous teacher and the approach they'd used, which was exam to exam to exam Mm -hmm. and very little coaching or training on oral and sight reading all the rest of it when I realized that and he said oh do you want me to send you my exam mark sheets for grades one to three and I said oh yeah that'd be great another thing I should have asked for (laughs) in the beginning and as I read these things I just thought if I had seen this I would know straight away that he was nowhere near ready to be doing a grade four exam and we could have saved all that time. So take made and accepted. And I put together a new plan of teaching for him and asked him what he thought. And he's all on board with it. And we've kind of taken it right back to the basics, but not too basic to be soul-destroying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you've done three exams and then you're doing, it's not, Yeah, you know, he doesn't want to do that. So we, I picked the Bergmüller 25 pieces book And we're kind of using those to go through very slowly and working on things like flows, playing, looking ahead from each bar, articulation, all the technique, and and it's it's actually working out really well. So although it was a really big mistake because we worked, I think it was about nine months working on his grade four pieces and looking back, I feel like I should have known sooner. Obviously, next time it will, (laughs) but good things will come from it that I I know what to look out for next time and what not to do.
0: Yeah. And it worked out well in this case, because you responded so well to you just being straight with them, which I think it is did. a great lesson to take from that as well. Yeah. Um, but it is tough. And you, you know, you look back and you're like nine months, but each week you're thinking, no, he's got this. Like he, he no know, he knows what I'm talking about, you know? And you think yeah. it's gonna change that week and then the yeah. weeks pile up on top of each other. So it's a very common mistake, especially with transfer students. You're definitely not alone. Tim Topham, you might know from Top Music. Yeah. I have a rule that I've stolen from him, it's entirely his, which is he never does an exam in the first year of taking on a transfer student that's just a blanket yeah. rule you don't do an exam in the first year I don't care how confident you are and like even if that student had been prepared it's much better to take a year to to get to know each other and have some fun together and then think about okay where are we going if we want to do an exam next
1: yeah yeah that really is good advice I I mean I've had other transfer students who I've taken on and and sort of been you know get you get pushy parents and this was a pushy parent and I and I did it but it was stressful and it was scary and I thought I don't want to let him down and so I I think that a year before an exam for a transfer student rule is a very good idea yeah
0: and it's (laughs) just good with stuff like that I find it's just good to have a rule because then you can say to the parent nope that's my policy like this is what we do. This is what I do with everyone. It's the same for everyone. I'm not saying I'm not passing a judgment on your child or their previous teacher or anything else. It's just my rule. Yeah. Yeah. So if you could turn back to your first year teaching self, um, when you were in your full time job and taking on your first five students, do you have any advice that you would impart to that former self?
1: So I've learned a lot since then. But I don't know if much of what I could say to my former self would fall on deaf ears because you kind of have to experience some of it to go oh yeah I shouldn't do that again um I remember things in the beginning when I mean because I had advice from my my previous teacher and I thought I've you know I don't want to lose students or I don't want to be too tough or things like that but having gone through the process myself I've then looked back and thought Oh. oh yeah that's what she meant (laughs) that's what I should have done (laughs) I mean sorry I'm being a bit vague but I suppose being I don't know you gain confidence as you go along don't you so because I I was quite quite scared in the beginning because I thought I love piano and I want I want to teach it and you learn what different people do when they are in lessons and the difference between little kids and older kids and adults and all the different worries they have so I guess it would probably just be a confidence boost, sort of message to my previous self. Like, you're going to learn so much in every lesson. Just make the most of it and don't be too hard on yourself. I suppose yeah. that's what
0: I'm saying. Yeah, and I think you mentioned earlier that your former teacher had told you, okay, don't go too big in the beginning, right? Don't do too much. Don't take. Don't overwhelm yourself. So maybe that was the advice you really needed, which you had because you reached out to your former teacher, which is great.
1: Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, I'm glad I didn't go too big too soon because, you know, no one needs that much choice.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's better to make one mistake at a time and learn from it than to have to make 30 mistakes because you're taking on all these (laughs) So what do you think people outside our industry misunderstand about what we do?
1: There's probably a lot of misunderstanding <laughs> i think from what i've seen so far that it, unless you're unless you've ever learned an instrument or the piano yourself or have had any dealings with private teachers it's very easy to look at it and compare it to any other kind of academic learning and think it's the same which it definitely isn't because it involves so much more than just your logic brain isn't it because it's Mm. creative and it's emotion and it's motor skills and it's timing and it's thinking and expression it's like it's because it's so many more things I think and that's so hard to articulate someone outside of the bubble (laughs) Mm. so I think that's probably the biggest thing that someone outside the music industry doesn't understand about all private teaching and teaching piano that trying to apply it to something they know which is what everybody does relate it to something that you know that it's nothing like being a maths tutor for example or an English teacher it's kind of I, it's what it makes me think of trying to explain what it's like having children to someone who doesn't have children because you have to cross that barrier <laughs> to really understand it but I'd say, yeah, if that makes sense. I'd say that's probably one of the biggest things.
0: Yeah, it does make sense. And I think a good place to start if people are trying to have that conversation and they if they know that struggle you're talking about is that intersection like you're describing. It's It's partly like we always hear it compared to language. But there's also basically dancing with your fingers involved with it you know and then there's also they so trying to describe <laughs> yeah. that it's this intersection it's a venn diagram maybe we should draw one it's like plus yes. of this it would be like a
1: spirograph in the end <laughs> yeah exactly
0: um, so maybe that wouldn't clarify anything if that's like. okay finally then i want you to imagine victoria someone out there who stumbled across this show um, but they're not generally connected to our global teaching community as you are. Maybe they haven't read blogs or been in a membership site or done any of those things, and they're feeling like they're never sure if they're doing it right. What would you tell that teacher?
1: Well, I guess the first, the first thing that comes to mind is what is right. What's right for you is not right for the next person. And if you feel like what you're doing is helping the student then that's all that matters at that point and as you go along you'll learn different bits and pieces and you'll develop and get better and more confident but it's not you sit in this box and you do everything right <laughs> that's what I'd say
0: what is right it's a good question to start with <laughs> and to finish with thank you so much for joining us on the show today Victoria that was wonderful
1: that's okay it's been lovely thank you for having me
0: Thanks for listening. Do you love this show? Then please share your favorite episode with a teacher friend who you think might enjoy it and benefit from it. If you resonated with today's story, then the Vibrant Music Teaching membership is probably a good fit for you too. Find out more at vibrantmusicteaching.com.